Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I am your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, a bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. I have the privilege today of interviewing one of the past elders from Southwest Hills Baptist Church and one of the founding members of the Ambassadors Forum. Kevin Williamson is a certified project management professional currently working in industry. He has a wide range of experiences serving Christ in different capacities, from being a project manager in various high-tech and energy industries to being a missionary and a church planter in the U.S. and overseas. Kevin and his wife, Kelly, of 34 years, have two adult sons and one teenage daughter, all who love the Lord. Kevin and his family currently live in the Boise, Idaho area, where he works for a large technology company, and his family reaches out to international students and refugees. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roy. Great to talk with you. Well, Kevin, we have done a lot together over the years. We've homeschooled our kids together. We've taught Sunday school. We've done family Bible studies, we've led the church as elders, and you were actually one of the first people I ever saw do apologetics really, really well. At the time, I didn't even know it was called, but I just saw you doing something, living out your faith day to day. To start this conversation out, how would you define Christian apologetics to someone who had never heard of it before? Well, I would defer to the Apostle Peter, who called us to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in us. Mm. And the reason we believe can be explained. Mm. We can explain that to people, but we also do it with humility and respect. Mm. And to do any other way is to betray the gospel. We're not saved because we're smart and we figured it out. We're (laughs) saved because God revealed his son to us, who is our Savior. Apologetics is explaining why we believe in this gospel, Mm. the good news of Jesus Christ, Mm. and to present reasons why we believe in the hopes that others will see that reason, will agree with that reason, will believe that it's a reasonable faith. And that's important for understanding that apologetics is not just for sharing the reason we hope with pre-Christians with people who have yet to believe, but also with people who believe but haven't really thought it through and are trying to figure out the answers to the questions they have after they believe. Mm. Or with our children. We found it very fruitful with our kids and helping them understand that what we believe is reasonable, that it's not fantasy, it's not a leap of faith with no reasonable foundation, because they're going to be attacked. And we also know that all of us have questions. So to to respect the fact that we have questions and to answer those questions, not just to dismiss them, is important. But that's the work of apologetics. One of the things that I've found is that there seems to be this notion in some Christian circles that asking questions is a bad thing. Some have even gone so far as to say the Bible forbids ever asking questions and figuring out why you believe what you believe. I I think there's been a big disservice to Christians in general. 
how do you think we can best confront that misinformation that we're, we're not supposed to think as Christians, that we're not supposed to ask questions, that we're not supposed to have any doubts? What's the best way we can confront that? I think it's the same way we confront anything, and that is that our faith is founded on the authority of Scripture and what God has already said through his prophets, through his son, through the apostles. And where that condemnation of doubt comes from, Oz Guinness has a whole book on it in two mm-hmm. minds. Any others, a number of people have written really well on it. But doubt can be dissected down into a number of things. One is where it's more of the agnostic approach. I don't know for sure, and I don't think you can convince me. Mm-hmm. And that's a dishonest agnosticism. It's like, okay, are you really asking a question? Because if you're really asking a question, then you should accept answers. Mm. Deal with them. Mm. That's good. You know, Jesus, after he'd risen from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, and one of the disciples wasn't there, and we call him Doubting Thomas. Mm. Because when they told him the Lord was with us, he said, I don't believe you, and unless I see him and put my hand in his side and my finger in his Mm. nail prints, I won't believe. And then Jesus, the next week, calls him on it. And what's his response? My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Mm. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Was that a call to blind faith? No. It was a call to believe based on the testimony of the other apostles. Mm. That's good. Were they credible witnesses? Yes. He had no reason Mm. to doubt them. Mm. But that kind of proud doubt is what is condemnable. Mm. Is like, unless I myself have proven it, I won't believe it. Mm. And that's where a lot of people are, is they're stuck in their own pride, and that's where we are witnesses. We aren't called to be provers, we're called to be witnesses. Mm. And I think that's also one of the reasons why testimony, if we think about it, just use it in its normal use, not in the religious kind of way we sometimes use it, but just if you're called on in a court to give your testimony, what you saw, that's what we're called to bear witness to Christ. What have we experienced? What do we know personally? It's powerful. Mm. That's what we decide cases on. And a lot of people will decide their faith based on the testimony of others. And that's what Jesus commended. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Believed what? The witness of others. And I think if we are not clear about our own testimony, and we don't get our own story straight, it's weak. And a lot of us are nervous about sharing it. But if we are confident, like what we have experienced, and we just share it, you know, I've had very few people, very few people debate me about my own testimony. (laughs) I think you you bring up a good point, especially even if we go back to the passage in 1 Peter, where he says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. For your testimony, not just in general why this could be plausible, but be ready for the defense of your hope. What are the most common mistakes in Christians today who try and share their testimony? What common pitfalls do they run into that that actually degrade the effectiveness of their own testimony? I think it's the same flaw with us. It's just part of the human condition. And first of all, pride. Mm. We somehow want to make ourselves look good 
in our story. Mm. And we don't take a cue from the apostles. The apostles themselves, when you read their testimony, which is the Gospels, the four Gospels, Mm. they show themselves warts and all. I mean, (laughs) they look dumb. They're like always asking Jesus questions that like we read now and we go like, were they dolts? Were they not listening? (laughs) And if they wanted to make themselves look good, they could have written the Gospels very differently. Mm. But they wrote the Gospels in humility, recognizing that Jesus revealed the Father to them. They didn't discover him. Mm. And I think a lot of us take the Jack Horner approach to our testimony. We stick in our thumb and pull out a plum and say, what a good boy am I? (laughs) We want to look good. We want make other people to think we're smart and we Mm. got it all together. We're not Mm. honest and humble about how God drew us to himself. Mm. And I think that's the big one. The other big weakness is we don't go back and analyze how did we come to Christ biblically? We don't interpret it through scripture and going like, okay, I was messed up on drugs, alcohol, these things. How did I come to this decision Mm. that I would believe this? Mm. And we don't go back and say, how does God describe how I came to him? Oh, I was convicted of my sin and his holiness, his righteousness, and the coming wrath. So we don't tell our story in the terms of the gospel. And the way the Bible describes how we came to him, we, we, just, we want to tell it from our own perspective. Mm. And our own perspective was wrong. That's, I mean, if anything is true about the gospel, it's that we're wrong and he's right. Mm. God is right. We were wrong. And when we finally agreed with God about that, we confessed, we said with God, I am a sinner. You are holy. Please save me. That was the beginning of enlightenment. You know, that was mm. like, oh. You're finally agreeing with the right person. So we don't ask ourselves, how did God view me before I believed in Jesus Christ? Mm. How does God view me now? You know, what process did God lead me through? How did I experience God's drawing? We basically go back and we just believe our own story, but we don't analyze it and go like, just a second. I probably have a pretty distorted view of myself Mm. before I came to Christ. Because I had a distorted view of everything before I came to Christ. And so I think those are two of the biggest things that are wrong with the way we tell our story. So we get it wrong, we tell it wrong, and sometimes it ends up being very weak and incoherent. If somebody listening to you, could they come to Christ based on your testimony? We need to ask ourselves that question. If I shared my testimony, would somebody know how to come to Christ? Mm. If not, then did we tell a story about coming to Christ or did we just tell a story about ourselves? Wow. Well, that's good. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening, Kevin, who are probably, if they were honest, in that situation right now. I know I was lost (laughs) and I know I'm found now, but I need help. I don't know how to tell the story from God's perspective. Are there any helpful resources, books or podcasts or or something like that that where someone could say, I need to learn how to do that. I need help in doing that. I'm hesitant to point people to other people's resources, and I want to point them to God's. Mm. Write your own story out. What process did God lead you through? How did you experience God's leading? From your own subjective experience. And then go back and study the scriptures and say, okay, God, how do you say you draw people? Mm. What are those steps? Or what are the things that you've used? 
Conviction of sin is one. Revealing truth is another. Revealing Jesus Christ. If the Gospels about anything, it is about who Jesus is, because that's ultimately who we believe in. You believe in him as a person, not a set of propositions. Mm. And think about what were the things that attracted you to Christ or that made you believe that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And write that down and wrestle with it and learn how to tell your story in your own voice. We love to tell other people's stories. And this is one of my pet peeves is when we get celebrities who give their testimony and everybody's like, well, my testimony's not as good as his. And, you know, a lot of kids who grow up in Christian homes, Mm. they feel, well, I don't have a very, you know, good testimony. It's like, because it's not full of salacious details or whatever, Mm. everybody's gospel testimony is as good as every other's because it points to Jesus. Mm. And I think it's a huge distortion of the gospel when we make those kinds of comparisons. And I think we have to learn to love the way God drew us to himself, because that's our story. That's how we came to Christ. It's not how somebody else did it. It's like, I'm thankful for my salvation. Right. I really like how you said that, Kevin, which is the most important part of all of our testimonies is the miracle that God saved us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Amen. And so that everybody's got that part. <laughs> yes. And that's the best part. <laughs> yeah. It's the being saved that's great, not how wretched of a sinner you were. Right. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, let me change gears a little bit, Kevin. I One of my favorite things about you is that, and it's one of the things that you taught me by your example, you understand that our Christian mission is meant to be lived out in the context of whatever we're doing. If we're a pastor, if we're a missionary, if we're an engineer, if we're a salesman, wherever we are, God can use us to do the Great Commission. How did you come to that integrated perspective of kind of more of a lifestyle approach to living out your faith rather than compartmentalized programs in a church? Yeah. So like a lot of things, it wasn't like a sudden discovery or a a book I read. (laughs) When I first came to Christ, I just started reading the beginning of the Bible. And one of the insights I gained from it was, you know, that God had callings on different people. You read in the Pentateuch, there was people he gave specific skills to, like the people, different people who had ironworking skills Mm. or skills with fabric, you know, like the making of the temple. And it's like, okay, that makes sense because there's different people with different intelligences Mm. and callings that were God given. Like some people are just good with mechanics. Some people are good with numbers. Some people are good thinking spatially. Some people are just natural people, people. They just understand how people in groups work. And those are all callings given by God. And then over time, I experienced it myself that I realized, wow, we've disrespected God's diversity in his callings and how he's made us by exalting certain gifts above others in the kingdom of God. And then I looked at Jesus. He was a carpenter. Mm. He was not a priest. He wasn't a like professional religious person. He worked with his hands. And the apostles, they were fishermen. Some of them had other professions. And you look at Luke, he was a doctor. He was really good at 
obviously very disciplined historian. And then over time, I realized as I read through the New Testament, I came upon First and Second Thessalonians, where Paul laid out what later came to be called the Protestant work ethic, came from rediscovery of this idea of vocation and calling. Mm. And in Titus, Paul basically called out his own model, which was he worked with his own hands. He was a tent maker. He provided for his own needs as an example to the believers. So they would all realize, wow, we're made to work mm. and to provide for our own needs. And so Second Thessalonians 3, 10, and 11 were on my first business card as a horseshoer. You know, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to work with your hands, to provide for your own, and to earn the respect of outsiders, and then other passages, and to have enough to provide for yourself and to share with others, to show the love of God by helping others. Hmm. And that just cut against this whole cult, I think, of professional Christian work. You know, so I remember when I first came to Christ and I would start going to counsel at camps and things like that. and you know, one of the things was a commitment to Christ. And then the next level up was to commit yourself to full-time Christian work, in quotes. <laughs> and over time, I realized, aren't we all called to full-time Christian work? <laughs> We're all called to serve God all the time. And then mm. this idea of secular, and I started hearing it, oh, that's a secular job. Oh, I have a secular job. And I said, well, like, that's not even a biblical term. That's not mm. even a biblical framework. All of us according to Paul and Corinthians, to do everything for the glory of God, mm. to work with all of our mind and our heart, to love him and to offer up to him our workship. You know, whatever we do, do it for his glory. And so when somebody says, oh, I've got, a, you know, sort of apologetic, well, I've got a secular job. And I said, repent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Make the work that God has called you to. All your life has been leading you, and you got into what you're doing and what you're gifted at. Mm. He gave it to you to use for his glory and to benefit, to help others. Mm. And so sanctify your work as unto the Lord, and then it's no longer a secular job. Mm. And that's what God called all of us to do, is whatever he gives us to do, and to do it for his glory. And I think he's you know, given you gifts as a creative engineer where you've come up with and invented things and come up, you know, developed patents sure. to solve problems. That's a gift from the Lord and you do it for the Lord and you delight in it. And mm. when people don't delight in the gifts God has given them, they're also robbing God of his glory because they don't give glory to God and they don't enjoy his blessing of using them as much as they should. Mm. I love that perspective, Kevin. As a matter of fact, our ministry, the Ambassadors Forum, is made up of professionals, doctors, lawyers, engineers, managers. And I've seen God use that because we all are living this out every single day in a world that is dying. You know, we're not around 98% Christians. We're around 1% Christians. <laughs> and we're in a dark place and we need to bring the light of Christ through what we're doing every single day. And it, it does give us a credibility and an effectiveness in our sharing because it's something that we do every day. And so that that's a great perspective. Like I said, I, I've seen you role model that your whole life. Um, and so I've appreciated that. One term that I've heard that's 
use to describe what we've been talking about is business as a mission. You know, stay in business. You can be a missionary, but do it through owning a business and working a business. I've never heard the term business as an apologetic. Is that out there? Is there a way to be particularly effective in apologetics, not just evangelism and mission as we're living out our business and as a calling? Yeah, no, I think what you're calling out is what Patrick Lye and a few others who are practitioners of business for transformation, business's mission, have articulated. Now, you just put it, coined it a different way, which sure. is great, is part of the effectiveness of ambassadors of Christ in every walk of life is we walk with authenticity and integrity. People doing business, meeting felt needs in a community through indigenously sustainable ways, having a business that meets needs that people are willing to exchange for, you know, pay money for. Mm. And they do it with integrity, glorifying Christ, using the gifts God has called them and given them to serve others and him with. And people see that. It's like, wow, you can be honest and do business. <laughs> and you can really care for people and not just exploit people. So they start seeing through the lies of socialism and the communist manifesto and a lot of the propaganda they've been fed, whether through university or just received knowledge in their culture, mm. that to be a businessman means to exploit people. When you see somebody actually practicing godly business, providing value and solving problems with integrity, and you go like, wow, when I serve people and provide value, like the Apostle Paul did, he made mm. good tents, <laughs> and people were willing to pay money for them, yeah. and it solved their temporary housing or permanent housing issues. Like he said in First Thessalonians 4, it earned the respect of outsiders because they were not just sitting around accepting other people's charity money. They were actually out there serving people and meeting their felt needs mm. with the gifts God gave them. And you think about how many different needs we have, society as a whole, we are, we're all made to help each other, to serve each other in all sorts of capacities. And that glorifies God. And it also brings credibility and authenticity. I think one of the things you and I have talked about, and a lot of people look around, what people long for is authenticity. People who are living mm -hmm. lives of integrity sincerely. Yeah. And it's not a show. And so when we do business and work at it with all our hearts, and we do it with Christian ethics, we love others, we serve others, we do our work faithfully, diligently, and we do it to, not just for ourselves, for selfish gain, but to help others, as well as to meet our own needs so we aren't dependent on others, as Paul says. Mm -hmm. People go like, I respect that. They're a hard worker. They pull their weight. They're not sponges on society. They're, they're actually looking how they can add value to mm -hmm. society. And that's a beautiful witness, and in business as a mission, that's one of the things that people point to is in their transformation, working for a Christian company, seeing a Christian business owner, Christian managers, they go like, wow, this is the first time I've worked for somebody where I really felt they cared for me, mm. and when it came to making a choice, they made the choice for integrity, not for convenience or expediency, and they respect that. Wow. Wow. Well, brother, as always, it is a pleasure to talk with you. 
I love the way that God has created your mind to think and all of the hard work and diligence you have committed over decades to studying his scriptures and pulling out truths and applying them to situations in life and living them out. So this has been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show today. You're welcome. It's mutual, Roy. Thank you. (laughs) Now, how about you? Are you struggling to see how God's giftings and calling on your life can be incorporated into an integrated testimony of how you obey God in your integrity and your hard work and your diligence and that how that can communicate the gospel of Christ? Well, the Ambassadors Forum is here to help. We have lots of great resources on our website to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. And finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 